Cincy, welcome. And I'm very excited, actually. It is exciting because, Chrissy, you have you have a great connection. And Cincy, welcome. Awesome. The legend is number 49. Rob Dibble is on with us on today's show. Thanks for having me. Let's let's talk some money. <laughs> <laughs> we could do that, man. Man, I just got to tell you, I am so glad to have you on here. Hard to believe, but 32 years ago, 1990, that amazing World Series run, wire to wire from the amazing Reds. My God, I remember being a kid, sucking back Twinkies and Diet Coke, and you're out there throwing the heat. Man, That what was that era just like for you? Well, it, it was pretty early in my career. Um, we were coming off of Pete Rose getting suspended and Lou Pinella taking over. It started the season a little bit late, and then we went on a great run. We started 9-0 and on the road uh, and never looked back. Uh, first wire-to-wire team in the National League history, which goes back to 1869 with the oldest franchise, which is Cincinnati. Yeah. And, you know, yeah. to, to me, it was it was years in the mix and, and years in the building because we had a great farm system, uh, you know, great nucleus. You, you know, if you look at Eric Davis and Larkin and Sabo and Paul O'Neill and uh, Joe Oliver, then myself, um, Hal Morris came yeah. over to us from the Yankees. Uh, we got Mariano Duncan from the Dodgers. And, uh, it, you yeah. know, some of the other guys that were on that team, um, were well scouted. Glenn Braggs came to us. Um, and so, oh, you know, I, I think that, you know, even our rotation, Danny Jackson was a trade. Jose Rijo was a trade, a great trade from the A's. Tim Burtis was in our bullpen. So everything Bob Quinn did to build that team up, including his good friend Lou Pinella, bring him in, um, just kind of yeah. catapulted us towards the postseason play. And from there, it, it was, you know, Amazing. Uh, you know, I think our World Series was more against the Pirates than the A's, although people will be like, you know, the mighty A's. Listen, the Dodgers beat them in 88. Um, if they didn't have that earthquake in 89, I don't know. The Giants had an amazing team. They might have beat the Dodgers. And then we beat, yep. uh, you know, we, we beat up on those guys and uh, took care of the A's in the World Series. So, you know, I, I think that, you know, going looking back on, on all of that stuff, it was just an era of uh, – I just talked to Will Clark. I mean, it, it was a oh, lot sure. of fun to match yourself up against the, the best athletes of the time in Major League Baseball, yeah. and we came on, out on top that year. Rob, did, did, that, did that team feel different during the season? Did you know, um, like, this is a special team? I mean, people say that. You hear, hear players say it, but that was an amazing collection – you know, like you said, for trades and just just an amazing collection of baseball players. Did it feel different well, from the we, inside? We knew during the lockout because I went to school at Florida Southern in Lakeland. And so we get locked out and we're already down in spring training. So I'm like, I, I call my good friend Chuck Anderson, the, the head coach over there. I'm like, Chuck, we need a field and some batting cages to, to work out on. I said, OK, if we come by. He's like, absolutely. While we're in school. Uh, you, you know, we don't get out till two o'clock when the team needs to practice. You guys, you know, whenever you want the field, just go, go take the field and, uh, the batting cages will be available. And so we would go over there probably 22, 23 guys out of 25 on the roster. Um, okay. Lou Pinella came over there, asked us, uh, you know, probably once a week, what we needed balls wise, bats wise, 
uh, equipment. He actually couldn't stay because of, you know, he's part of management. Sure. But we knew then sure. that this was a great group. I mean, all they wanted to do oh, was practice cool. baseball. All, all we wanted to do was get ready for the season. So they, that was our edge. And, you know, we had a lot of young, fiery guys. And then we had some older players. Uh, Rick Mailer had joined the team. Danny Jackson, like I said. <laughs> Uh, you had Eric Davis was was one of our biggest leaders, and they they kind of ran the practices like you would in spring training, and you know then That's Randy awesome. Myers joined us. Uh, he was a great trade. We <laughs> traded John Franco to the Mets. So, you know before spring training even happened, we had our own spring training. So once spring training came, it, it, that was just kind of okay. the, the you know putting it all together. You know the coaches seeing what they had, and then you know starting the season a little bit late. I think nobody was prepared for what we were going to bring to the table. And, and so I think we started like 35 and 14, something crazy like that. And then we didn't play well after the all-star break, but we had some injuries. Um, but then, like I said, once we got against Pittsburgh, who we knew were just as stacked as we were, I, I think that yeah. was the challenge. Once, once we could get by Pittsburgh, I don't think any, I don't care who you would have matched us up with in the world series. They, they wouldn't have beaten us. Oh, that team was so – you guys were just you – know, you could tell, and it's cool to hear the background story, how tight you guys were, and that thing was just – like you said, not just the World Series, but even even those championship games, you guys were absolutely clicking and on fire. It was so fun to watch. How, how do you take <laughs> – you've been around this game for a long time. How do you take experiences like that? And I know it's sports. There's good years and bad years, and we know that in the market, right? We're talking about here it's a finance show, and we're seeing just a yeah. terrible start to the year. But when you look at what our beloved – I call them the dreads, um, you know, 62 wins, a hundred losses, you know, how, my goodness, man, how do, how do you compare stuff like that when you go back as being a player? What, what, what are your thoughts on stuff like this? Well, if you would have basically gutted us back then, which happened a little bit after the world series for the next couple of years, you know, some guys went free agents, some guys got traded. Yeah. Um, that's yep. what yep. the Reds have been doing. I mean, they've been supplying, yep. I, I would say the Reds, the Oakland Athletics and the Pittsburgh Pirates have fed all of these teams that are in the postseason. You know, when and even mm-hmm. the Mets giving up on Zach Wheeler and letting him go free agent, that was a huge mistake. Um, yeah, but, he threw last know, night. Just, yeah, I mean, even even when, even when you look around, like Louis Castillo, uh, Eugenio Suarez, even Winker, they're on Seattle. That that totally like you know finished that team off. Um, when you look at even the Toronto Blue Jays and you look at some of the moves they've made recently, Barrios in your rotation, Matt Chapman, a gold glove third baseman, you know, adding a George Springer uh, coming from the Astros who's already got a ring, um, that kind of maturity and veteran leadership helps you. You look at even the Yankees. The Yankees got uh, Tyon from the Pirates. They, they got Clay Holmes from the Pirates. You know, when you, you look at, uh, you know, Glaber Torres was a trade years ago. A lot of these teams were put together through basically raiding other people's organizations. Yeah. So, that you know, if the Reds had <laughs> kept some of these guys together and kept them yeah. on the roster for a few more years, I, I have no doubt they would have gone to the postseason um, and, and done very well. But when you, when you don't want to pay guys when they're around free agency, you don't want to lock up your younger players, which you see the Atlanta Braves doing right now, um, you know, yeah, exactly. you're, you're going to have a 62 win team, a 70 win team. Yeah. And now the Boston Red Sox are in that situation because, you know, they traded Mookie Betts. You know, you traded one of your yeah. best players, basically the heart and soul of your franchise. And I don't care who you, you bring in, 
And now they're thinking about, you know, letting Xander Bogarts and, and uh, J.D. Martinez leave. So when, when you don't want to keep players around indefinitely, um, I, I think that's when you're going to struggle. So I, I don't think it's the organization. I, I think it's the, the, the people at the top, the ownership, that if, if they're not willing to spend and put the best product on the field, um, there, there's nothing you can do to compete. Yeah, Mr. Rob Dibble, the nasty boy. Number 49, as Rob was saying about his team, it's about an organization. It's about total teamwork. And I want you to know if you're out there driving, our team is here, ready and standing by, to help you with your retirement planning. We're offering a retirement readiness review, 844 657 1072 so you can be and stay retirement ready rob what was that relationship like in the bullpen with all those amazing pitchers man i i love that nasty bad boy mentality by the way you just i love going back and watching youtubes and just seeing your intensity by the way how do you get your leg that high in a wind up that's flexibility i'll give you the the insight so every year in spring training from the time i was 19 to the time i left 11 years later um, you know, the, you come into spring training, whether it's the minor league side or the big league side, and it was all about flexibility testing, uh, body fat wow. testing, um, it, you know, and, oh, you know, okay. keeping yourself in tip top shape. I always played other sports like soccer and basketball and football, even hockey. And, and a lot of that is flexibility. And I, even to this day do yoga. So it's, it, to me, Going back to those years, had it not been for an organization that really cared about nutrition, flexibility, cool. and you know, now you've got it, it's you got more technology to where they're. I, it's funny because I have a batting cage facility up here in Connecticut, and like twelve AAU teams, and um, I have a kid from the Mets that's in A ball, and they they actually look at your sleep patterns, what your your, your calorie intake is, all of that stuff. They have they have the technology. To follow you uh you know with wristbands and rings and all kinds of other stuff now um they know exactly what you're doing and so yeah so back then you had to do it with a scrap of paper and you know dunking somebody in a water tank and stuff um (laughs) you know it it was beautiful because back then we actually had uh god i can't remember his last name his first name was fritz and he he was our strength and and conditioning and and nutrition guru along with his wife they actually did like the track and field for the Olympics for the team USA. Oh, wow. And, and they were, you know, the, he and his wife were in such good shape. They'd come in. They're like, listen, you got to do more running. You got to eat less fattening meats and all this other stuff. And they actually were the first to talk about nutrition. And I'll give you an example. Eric Davis, six, six, three, 180 pounds had 4% body fat. Very large. Wow. It was like yep. six, one, six, two, probably 175, 180 pounds probably about 5% body fat. I mean, that, that was the way these guys were, you know, Paul O'Neill, all of those, if you look at Paul O'Neill, even today, Paul's one of my best. Oh, he looks I was to say, he's probably still yeah, we, that. We, we, talk we see often. him around the natty all the time. <clears throat> yeah. Yeah. He he's into CrossFit. I mean, he's a little bit older than me, maybe six months. He's in better shape. He's, he's got, you know, probably 10% body fat even today. I mean that it was all about taking care of yourself. And yeah, we, we ran hard off the field. But as far as what we put on our bodies, what they put on the meal table after the, the meals, um, that, that actually started us in a better direction way before other ball clubs were doing it. 
What I love, Rob, is the attention to detail and understanding that total impact of what's going on inside your bodies and how you all would use that to train daily. And folks, listen, it's the same thing when it comes to your retirement portfolio. You need a clear understanding of what is going on. We see so many folks worrying about their portfolios when they come in for the first time and they just really don't have a clear understanding of what's happening. Maybe that's you. You're driving around and you're just not really sure what's going on. I want you to know our team is standing by to help you to be and stay retirement ready. So I want you to call right now, 844-657-1072. Rob, stay right there. When we come back, we're going to get back to you here more on Wise Money. Welcome back to Wise Money with Brad Olson and Joe Wilson and a special guest. Special. Today, we have one of the nasty boys. Nasty boys. Rob Dibble joining us on the show today. It, it makes me so happy. It's too, my world's colliding. Yeah, the financial Talk. show with the man that threw the heap. Rob, weren't you clocked at like 101 at Shea Stadium or something like that? I thought I saw some stats like in Candlestick Park. You were throwing 101 on a fastball. Is that your highest measured? Is that right? Um, 104 at Shea Stadium. Oh, but oh I, you know, forgive honestly, me. Honestly, when I'm teaching kids, it's not about velocity. It's about command and location, you know, because nice. I'll, I'll give you a quick story. Um, I'm facing the Pirates in a day game, and it's probably about 95 degrees, and, and we're on the turf, and um, – I'm probably throwing the best I've thrown um, in my career. I threw a, I threw 10 100 mile an hour fastballs and 10 101 mile an hour fastballs. I gave up five Good hits, Lord. two runs, and I had the bases loaded when I finished the game. So, I mean, listen, guys Whoa. can hit anything if it's straight. You want movement, you want location, you can't just like heave it in there. And I, I think we've kind of gone away from that. And if you see a lot of these guys in majors, they're not pitchers, mm. they're throwers. And so mm, I always yep. felt I was pitching. I always tried to pitch to contact and throw a fastball away from a righty, have him try to pull it. He'll hit it to my shortstop, and we get an out that way. I always thought that way, even I think back to Babe Ruth and Little League. You know, I just had this chip inside my head where it was never that, hey, I'm really throwing hard, because I couldn't feel how hard I was throwing, to be honest with you. Mm. Um, I knew it was coming out, and I knew it was getting there quick, but it was more about, you know, I, I had a – Big family, six kids in my family. So we had a, a pretty decent-sized house in Connecticut with a two-car garage. And in between the garage, you know, was that little divider. I used to just pepper that with a tennis ball every oh, cool. day when I was growing up. And, you know, so by the time I got to high school, I could close my eyes, honestly, and visualize hitting the outside part of the plate, hitting the inside part of the plate. And so it just came naturally to me. I, I love that because the game. I think when you look at look at any sport, my I've got kids that are golf. Got a kid playing uh, college golf right now, and and it truly is the best. I feel like in in sports, man, I I love that because when you look at any sport, I have kids playing college golf right now, and the attention to detail, it truly is the best in sports. I love how you said that. It's not just about the velocity of the pitch. It's it's the thinking. It's the understanding of the game and how they all work together. I mean, Brad and I see it all the time. Folks will come in and they're just so impressed. I've got this stock that did this, or I've got this mutual fund that did that. And a year from now, they're coming to us and saying, "How in the world did we lose thirty or forty percent?" And 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 that's because the, the it's more than just how are the winners? It's how everything works together. I love that you brought that up. That is so key. 
to anything, to any, any sport, any way of life. It is, it is about understanding and knowing. We were talking near the break about the town and the MLB and local kids doing the break. I, I want you to touch on that a little bit more. And, um, no, and local kids, sure. And local kids, kids. can you touch on that a little bit. Well, I, I mean, like I was saying, you know, a lot of these teams that are still playing, they did spend some big money um, years ago. The Phillies owner came and said, "I'm going to spend stupid money," but it really wasn't stupid money. It was it was the smart money that he played, and you know, re-signing JT Real Muto, uh, you know, investing in a guy like Bryce Harper and hoping he would become the leader that he did. It's not just about the 300 million. It's about this guy consistently goes out and does his job. And so, you know, I look at Nick Castellanos, who was with the Reds. He was with the yeah. Tigers. Yeah. Uh, Kyle Schwarber won, wins a World Series. Great postseason performer uh, with the Cubs. Uh, you know what? We're going to give up on these guys. So giving up on some of these players, even Segura, who used to be with the Mariners. You know, when you, when you look at some of these performers right now, then the, the great trade right, right around the trade deadline, Noah Syndergaard people forget that that guy has really solidified uh the bullpen so i i think a lot of what these teams offer whether it's the padres spending money uh you know trading for will myers years ago uh he's been there eight years now but then you bring in machado you know good teams they they don't even yeah they don't even need a guy like fernando tatis you know i mean so if you have the right leadership and the right people in the right positions um, that other teams didn't really want, you can do amazing things. Rob, do you have any goals or any any thoughts of of getting back in the front office? I mean, I love I love hearing you talk about this stuff. Is that ever crossed your mind about getting back into the game and and especially with your ability to to just understand this this side of the game? Well, I mean, I have another few years in in my batting cage. Um, I have some kids. I'm trying to get into college. Uh, you know, coaching at the that. lower levels has been great. I got one kid that I used to coach out west on the Dodgers. Now, um, I got a couple kids that that I, I can't give up on them at 17U baseball because our, our you know we have teams from 8U to 17U, and so I want to see oh, okay. kind of see this last run of kids that I have get out and uh, get into college but I I really haven't I have an 11 year old she's amazing in tennis and uh, I I just in the next few years continue to do the radio a little bit and then just watch her grow up and uh, you know prosper and whether she makes it or not it's more fun watching her develop and you know we've got her coach from South Africa now and you know watching her an 11 year old girl play against like 16 year old boys it's something I couldn't have fathomed five years ago (laughs) And oh, now cool. watching it, it is so cool. It is. It is. So she smoked you know, that, that, Oh my God, she hits like a devil. She, she's <laughs> unbelievable with her backhand. Awesome. And, you know, but like we talked about minutes ago, it's about placement. You know, we have to yeah. dial her back because she wants to hit it yep. as hard as possible. And so a lot of it is God. placement. A lot of it is, uh, you know, how you grip a tennis racket. You know, and having the yep. mentality. You know, when you're playing the game and things like that. And and, and seeing the court as a whole. And this is what I try to teach even baseball players. I don't, t- I don't tell my pitchers ever to look at the catcher's mitt. I have them look at the whole shape of the catcher, the outline, and try to throw to the mask on a breaking ball or changeup and throw to the shin guards because that's the way I was taught. And, it, you know, it's, it's more about owning the entire strike zone. And uh, it's the same thing in a lot of sports that, that you have to see. I, I think you, you can't see the woods. Uh, through the forest sometimes and and some of these people will will be like well you need to do this you need to do that everybody's different 
every pitcher that yep. I, you know, coach, every hitter that I coach. So I think I love her tennis coach because, you know, he knows she needs certain things. And then he's got other players that, that I'm sure he teaches a different way. That's why I love him. Hit like yeah. a dibble. That's awesome. I love that. That's Hit like, okay, now does she wear the cool, like, do you have all the collection of, like, all the Nasty Boy t-shirts? Do you let, you know, do you put those on her? Does she wear those God, on no. the house? Or she's like, no. God, Coco <laughs> dibble, seriously? Coco Dibble is her own girl. And, uh, you know, that. she does not like, I mean, she likes being Rob Dibble's daughter, but she wants to be Coco Dibble. And, you know, so she's sure, got yeah, her own sure, styles sure. and stuff. Yeah. Good and, for her. You know, listen, I, the, the 80s have come back. You know, a lot of my players have mullets like I used to wear. <laughs> uh, bell bottoms are back. You feel at home, man. You're in. Oh, dude. Everybody wears the Air Jordans to school, including my daughter. I mean, listen, I, I think yeah, she's, sure. her, her crush right now is Aaron Judge. We went to Paul O'Neill oh, Day when they go. retired He's jersey good. in New York, and she couldn't wait. Yeah to get her hands on an Aaron Judge so jersey. Cool. So, no, she's, she's not in That's the cool. uh, history of the Reds yet. That, hey, hey you, should, a couple minutes you can here. make an intro. Rob, walk us through how the name The Nasty Boys came about. And I'd love some insights from you on just playing for Sweet Lou before we head to break here. Uh, the Nasty Boy came out of that first series, like I said. We came out smoking. Uh, our bullpen was fantastic, and it was everybody, really. Tim Liana, uh, like I said, Tim Burgess yep. was a 6'7 lefty that had a great curveball. Yes. Uh, and, and so everybody came out throwing strikes. And so Randy was in the locker room, and they're like, man, this, this bullpen's unbelievable. He's like, yeah, they're pretty nasty. And from that point on, <laughs> it wasn't the nasty go. boys. It was more these guys have nasty stuff. And it just kind of, you know, as it developed in the year and we stayed in first place and, they, you know, you start branding stuff, um, we, we kind of got branded. I'll, I'll never forget when the T-shirts started coming out. Uh, we oh, did yeah. some posters. That's we so put weird. out a single called Red's Hot. You want to listen yes! to an awful piece oh, of music? Yeah. We got to pull that. Go, we go pull find, that and there's also a making of Red Hot. There's a video. So That's Barry my Larkin knew oh, some. God. Barry Larkin knew some of Janet Jackson's people, and um, oh, got them goodness. into a studio in between the playoffs and the World Series. And I mean, there's there's lines in there where we hadn't won the World Series yet, where we're like, we're the champions and stuff like that. It, it was just tacky. <laughs> It was as tacky yes. as you can get, but it was awesome making it. Because, you know, you talk about there's yeah, like three so guys cool. that had talent and 15 guys that didn't have talent that were on a mic. It was, it was pretty brutal. <laughs> my, my was good. I'm very bad. Man, what was it like playing for Lou Pinella in that whole year? I mean, I know you've had some time with him, and, 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 but, but when I think of a manager um, – that I love. I love anytime there's passion. I love passion. I love people, people that are passionate. Everybody's so vanilla and blah these days. And we had passion. Well, I'll always love him because there's certain things that people may never have seen that I saw every day. He, he would go from guy to guy and, you know, see what was, you know, was there something bothering you in your personal life? Was there something that, you know, they could help you with professionally uh, get you more batting practice, get you more innings, you know, maybe get you an extra bull. I mean, Lou, Lou was down with anything. Um, you know, there's, I, I used to have problems with my first marriage and he would be like, just go home and come back in the fifth inning and take care of business. Wow. So, so him, wow. him allowing us to be grown men, uh, giving us the space to fail at times and not 
holding that against us all the time. Now, it wasn't like that with everybody, um, but I think he knew, you know, I hated losing more than I liked winning. I love winning, but, man, you know, losing ate me alive. And so he had the exact same attitude. And But, like I said, you know, he was very professional. We, we had to dress better. We had to act like, like you know, professionals on the road. Um, you know, we didn't have a curfew, but we had to be in two hours after. So, like, a game would end at 10. At 11 o'clock, the clock starts ticking. Everybody's got to be back in the hotel by 1 in the morning. And honestly, oh, cool. Lou and the, the coaching staff, and they might be down at the lobby bar, but they're making sure no one's straggling <laughs> in at 3, 4 in the morning. You know, yeah. also to keep you out of um, trouble. You know, back then, sure, in 1990, sure. you know, L.A. was hopping. San Diego was hopping. Atlanta was unbelievable. Houston was unbelievable. And uh, so there's a lot of things that could trip you up, and, and Lou wasn't going to have that. Lou, Lou had seen it as a player, had been on all those crazy teams in the 70s with the Yankees. So he was like, listen, yeah. we've got a talented team. we got we got to be a family here and, and act accordingly. Rob, this has been so good. I, I can't thank you enough for just taking the time to sit down with Brad and I here and to the audience here at Wise Money and just reminiscing about the good old days of the Reds before they were the Dreads in the 1990s. Man, thanks so much for bringing back some amazing stories and some names we probably haven't heard in a while. We, we truly appreciate it. Reminisce about the good old days of the of the 1990s uh, World Series champions, the Reds, the Nasty Boys. You were uh, a legend. I think I told you when you came on. I'll never forget being Lakota High School, and uh, you used to work with with Coach Rolf, I believe, out there, your weight trainer. And you'd be throwing balls, and you're always so kind to us kids in high school. And just uh, man, thanks for thanks for bringing back great memories and telling some awesome stories. We really appreciate you being on the show today. Nope, love the Natty. It's my second home, and uh, thanks for having me on. And Myers goes to pacing again. This is the song. <laughs> the Red Hot song. I remember this. Okay. It's... Oh, yeah. Good old Marty. Look at that 1990s bass thump. <laughs> Synthesizers. Dibs, did you have a mullet at this time, or were you just clean cut? Oh, oh there's a mullet. mullet. <laughs> there's a total mullet. We were, I, listen, I was a cheese ball. Had had my, you know, Figaro chain <laughs> necklace, and I had, you know, a couple of gold bracelets that I could barely afford oh back then. Oh, my gosh. So, yeah. This is I, awesome. I was a total tool back in 1990. <laughs> and the fact is, you guys hadn't even won yet. I love it. Dibs, you are the man. Thanks for being on Wise Money. Forget the rest. This is our time to shine. That's why we're busting this ride.